Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello and welcome to another uh, hair-pulling, chest-beating, uh, hand-wringing edition of uh, Lynn Cullen Still Alive. It is September 10th, uh, 2020. Uh, well, <laughs> if you could see me, I, I'm sitting at my my dining room table. Well, I don't really have a dining room. My dining room, well, well, yeah, I don't have a dining room. I'm sitting at my dining room table, which is in my living room. Um, and uh, I'm surrounded by... Uh, scraps of ripped up newspaper highlighted in yellow by certain stuff that caught me eye. And um, everywhere I look is <laughs> something that is, uh, I hate to tell you, you know, there are days when I have found, you know, good stuff or funny stuff or something that's a little bit, uh, a little bit less harrowing, but I can't say is uh, that's the case today, which is uh, I'm considering that fair warning. Okay, it's not that uh, it's not that you don't know um, what the fodder for today is. I mean, if any of you know of anything uh, particularly uh, light-hearted and uh, and and or fun and uplifting that uh, has happened. Uh, feel free. We're all waiting, really. And the good news is, is we do have lives beyond this larger uh, world that we that we watch, especially this country we watch. And um, and in those lives, I would hope good things are happening. Um, and they are. I mean, it's not like I'm walking around in a state of despair 24-7. I have a dog who makes me laugh. I have uh, friends who stop by. But, uh, God, for those of you who don't have that, I, my, my heart goes out to you. My heart goes out to just so many people right now. I was at a doctor's office yesterday and one of the nurses was was uh, talking to me, doing some nursing kind of stuff, and was talking about her child in the Pittsburgh Public Schools and uh, the fact that she's homeschooling, you know, that she has to stay at home and do it virtually and how it was not working at all. First of all, the mother is at work. This uh, third grader, fourth grader, I think, is at home, uh, supposedly at school. This is what happens if there's a single parent, right? Now, I don't know. She didn't tell me if someone was stopping in. But the odds that her daughter, I said, does your daughter enjoy this kind of uh, you know, she says no. I mean, she's missing her her friends. She's missing. She's no, not at all. 
And she said she has, uh, you know, she checks in with her kid all the time, and she says she's lucky because she works for a for um, a, a doctor that understands that there are these pressures now, and you know, we'll let people check on things at home and do certain things, which is, you know, something not everybody has. And 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 she did say that you know when she has often looked, the, her daughter is like sort of listening to the teacher on the screen, but there's a chat feature, and the kids are chatting with each other during the supposed lesson, bored out of their minds, desperate to connect. I mean. We're looking at a really a lost year in education, lost. And I think as these universities and other schools do try to open up, uh, you know, there's going to be, I just, I don't see it happening because we don't have, we don't have this anywhere near under control. And you see in other countries where they had it more under control than we ever have had, and they try to open stuff up and bang, oh, they end up having to retreat. So I don't know. I'm just saying whatever struggles most of us are having, there's so many people. I have to speak for myself here because I don't know your situation. So many people that are struggling so much more. I have no call to complain, none. I mean, I'm I'm feeling very isolated, big deal, okay? Uh, the thing that hasn't gotten a lot of attention that if we were not in the midst of a pandemic and of, uh, and, and just months away from the most important election of our in our lifetime um, would be getting just huge, huge coverage. And I'm sure TV news has been on it, but as I said, I don't often watch that habit of oh, it's six o'clock or it's six uh, thirty or you know set whatever you watched or watch. I've lost that that I don't know that impulse not an impulse it's a habit it's a habit I've had since I was a child because my father had the habit and you know we ate after watching we ate dinner after watching Walter Cronkite um, you you simply had to ingest the news before you got to ingest food uh, but I've lost that, and so I don't quite know how uh, like network news is is doing, or even the K- I, cable seems to be giving very short shrift when I do look of the fires. Uh, maybe California, Washington State, Oregon State, you know, over there on the West Coast, they're so far away that we don't think of them. Good God in heaven. Um, San Francisco yesterday, they had, they had the lights on there all day because you couldn't see. It didn't quite look like nighttime. 
It looked like nighttime if the nighttime sky were red. It looks like a hellscape. And the air that people are breathing where the sun doesn't shine um, is, is so polluted and dangerous. People that are living there, and it's not just in the city, obviously, but to see the city, to see the lights of, of these office towers um, all lit up um, at 10 a.m., 11 a.m., 2 p.m., because it's like night. The visibility, the car lights are all on. And you see the, the governor of um, Oregon who we've seen before <laughs> at, when she's been dealing with, you know, federal, federal troops against her, uh, against her judgment being dispatched to Portland to uh, create a havoc and a video for, for Trump's reelection videos. Uh, you see her instead on uh, camera saying to her, uh, the residents of her state, that they are looking at what is going to be probably the most horrible uh, event, fire event in, um, in the state's history with loss of life, loss of property, all of that. And the meteorologists there say, you know, their hands are, they, not that they're always so great at deciding, predicting what's going to happen, but they're saying the fires are controlling the weather now. We have no, all the weather that is occurring on the West Coast is occurring as a result of the weather, not major, you know, weather systems. Um one meteorologist uh, with the National Weather Service uh, in Sacramento said, you know, the smoke, the incredible volume of smoke from just one of these fires uh, rose overnight to 40,000 feet. Now, that's above where most of the airplanes, the jet, jets are flying. So that plume of smoke is way up over there where the air is absolutely, you know, frigid, frigid, frigid. And so you are getting huge clouds that look like thunder clouds, but in fact, they are made up of ice and ash and icy ash. So the ice is like filled with smoke and ash. And it creates an entirely different reality. If this had not been happening yesterday, San Francisco would have had clear blue skies, they think. Now, here's the deal. What we're seeing is what we're going to be seeing a lot more of. And this is part of what global warming is going to give us all over the map. We saw Australia last year with its horrific and deadly and damaging fires. So I just wanted to point out <laughs> that while we're worrying about 
you know, democracy going up in flames. And we're worrying about our health and the health of loved ones and this damn pandemic and how we're going to pay the rent and our finances and what the hell the economy is going to look like in uh, six months or a year. There is this like knocking on our, you know, on the doors. There is a messenger saying, you see, look at the sky, because that is showing you where we are headed. I just wanted to say, I told you it's going to be bleak today, but that's just because I'm reporting what's uh, happening. In that regard, uh, there's something called a social progress index, which is put together by a bunch of Nobel Prize winners in various uh, in economics and other, and, 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 you know, other smart people all over the world. And what they do is, you know, they look at uh, um, things like uh, nutrition and uh, environment and health and education and yada, 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 all the things that would that impact uh, a person's quality of life. And they do this country by country by country by country. Not surprising. Their 2020 list came out today, and I have to say – this list, all the metrics that were gathered to create this 2020 list were gathered prior to the pandemic, okay? So um, uh, bear that in mind. So this is pre-pandemic. Um, big shocker. Number one, the country that comes out best in terms of just quality of life is Norway, followed by Denmark. I'm so sick of these Nordic folks winning every time, all of it. Those socialists, it's a wonder they can live in these horrific countries. <laughs> They're socialists who are also capitalists, so go figure. That's something that a lot of people in this country can't get their heads around. They have a socialist ameliorating aspect to their capitalism. And as far as we can tell, their capitalism is buzzing along just fine. Their people are healthier, happier, better educated, live longer, yada, 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 yada. But here in this country, we know what's right, and we ain't going to look at them for any uh, – for any possible solutions to our problems. Okay, so yeah, the numbers, the top three are, boringly, Norway, Denmark, Finland, and the outlier, but not surprising as well, New Zealand. And I think, I don't know this for a fact, but I think at least two, if not three of those countries are all run by women. Where is the United States? Well, we're at 28 and dropping. We are uh, behind countries, significantly poorer countries, like Estonia, Cyprus, Greece, for God's sakes. Remember the news like a few years ago where Greece was as good as gone? I mean, it was in free fall. We're behind Greece. <clears throat> And, and and this is not, again, a subjective thing. These guys are simply crunching numbers. 
We are number one in uh, the quality of universities. That is where we're number one. We got the greatest universities in the world. Unfortunately, we're 91 in access to quality basic education. So in other words, for the elites or for those who somehow manage to get to our world-class universities, things are pretty damn good. But how are you going to get there if you're living in a poorer neighborhood that has no funds, that has no supplies, that has no books, that has no technology? You're not going to get there because an extraordinary number of America's children have no access to quality, basic education. We are 91 And here's another case in point. We're number one in medical technology. Woo-hoo. We're 97 in access to health care. So we got all the universities. We got all the amazing uh, gizmos in health care. Try to get it if you're a regular person and not in the favored top 20%, let's say. The Social Progress Index number shows that we have health health statistics that are similar to people in Albania, in Jordan, and that our children are getting educated roughly on par with the kids in Uzbekistan and Mongolia. Make America great again. You see Trump uh, going after any of these issues, which shows we're anything but great. Unbelievable. Or not. I mean, it's not. I mean, we've been seeing these kinds of, I mean, these numbers and these kinds of lists have been coming out ever since I've been yapping in front of a microphone. So this is not surprising. But it's getting worse. And it's our children that will pay, that have paid already and will continue to pay for it for, I guess, disinterest. Uh, Okay, we got something, a post from Bree in Malaysia. I also do work for WVU, West Virginia University, online. Uh, Oh, no, wait, I I didn't see your lead sentence. Uh, the campus here is open. That's Malaysia. We are trying as best we can to keep on keeping on. I do hear that some students and families have fallen behind on payments. The school has been forgiving up to a point, but eventually they'll tighten up. In society, things seem to be returning to normal, but on campus, the strict rules are not always being followed by students, and that is just human nature of youth. 
I understand the pit has had to send some kids packing because they were absolutely flouting the rules. Also, one of the nurses I talked to yesterday told me she was watching kids move in at Pitt. She said that these like shuttle buses were going by with kids in them, and no, they weren't masked. Well, to me, that's on Pitt. I mean, I, I, it's beyond me. It's just beyond me. Okay, back to Bree. I can't get through one of your emails anymore, any of you, right? He says, I'm also working online for WVU. They had a lot of online modules with tests that had to be taken by everyone before the start of the semester. I thought it was extremely thorough. I was also told told the COVID tests would be free of charge. By the way, there was a big article today about a lot of these free of charge COVID tests uh, that people are uh, getting billed, are shocked later to get bills. To anyone returning to campus in Morgantown, yeah, 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 he says, we don't even have that kind of testing here in Malaysia. Uh, so I was a little surprised when WVU announced the reversal of face-to-face classes. I am fully online for them, so it's not a big deal for me. Well, it's because, I'm sorry, the kids are kids, and they don't think this is going to harm them, and uh, no, this ain't going to work. It's just not going to work unless you have uh, campuses that look more like, um, I don't know, some kind of uh, jails where kids are literally uh, watched every two seconds and I'm getting just constantly, excuse me, I'm wandering around closing doors. Okay. Um, Anyway. So anyway, he says, and I agree that this is the planet fighting back to a degree. I don't own a car, and I try to keep my carbon footprint low. Oh, I wonder if humankind can really ever change. No, I think we know the answer to that. Uh, Okay. Um, I have a caller. So let's let's go to the phone. Hello. Hey, Lynn. Hey. I'm talking about uh, California and San Francisco. Yeah. It sounds a lot like uh, Pittsburgh in the late 40s and 50s. That's what I thought. That's exactly what I thought, right? And I wonder if anybody back in them days wore masks. I've never seen any pictures with them wearing masks. Uh, uh, me either. No. You imagine. They had to, ch- had to change their shirt in the afternoon yeah, because of yeah. the soot. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we've been there and done that. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, who knows? This is not going to. You know, actually, the beginning of what they call fire season in California has not begun yet. Yeah, no, I thought I heard it was supposed to go through, like, November. Yeah, but I'm saying normally the beginning of it is is at, at some point after today's date. So we're already seeing this unbelievable uh, damage and fire before the start of the official fire season, what has been. And, Lynn, can you even comprehend... What a million acres burned. No. 
A no. million acres. No. Have you seen the pictures from outer space? Because there are pictures no. from satellites going over, and my God, you can see. I mean, the, you talk about what how, what's a million acres. These huge expanses with just flame and smoke of of the West Coast, Upper West Coast especially. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, anyone on the space station looking down is seeing it, clearly. So, God, unbelievable. But you're right, I had the same thought. I had the same thought. About Pittsburgh. Yeah, about Pittsburgh. Wasn't one of those fires started by, uh, what do they call that? Uh Uh-huh, that was a uh, gender reveal. That's a gender reveal. (laughs) Which used to happen. Remember where that used to happen? It happened when the baby emerged at birth. And you say, oh, it's a girl. Yeah. You know what else I heard? One of those gender reveals. Somebody had the great idea to bring a homemade pipe bomb. Right. Because I don't know what he's. Right. And it blew up and killed the grandmother. Yes, I know. There have been people killed, yes. It's they nice. thought they were building a firecracker. They they weren't building – but a firecracker and a pipe bomb are very closely related. Uh, I don't I mean, know. Grand- Sometimes no. you got to scratch your head and say, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of stupidity afoot. That – Ultimately, if humankind goes down, you can say it was, what is the cause of death? Uh, Stupidity and hubris or, you know, arrogance, arrogance and uh, stupidity. I don't know. And selfishness. All right. Well, let me leave you with this. Okay, Lynn. Yes. Go, go. Guy goes into a bar and he says to the bartender, I'd like a glass of less. Bartender says, I'm sorry, I don't know what that is. Guy says, I don't know what it is either. My doctor told me I should drink less. <laughs> Take care, well, buddy. Thank you, dear. Bye. It's nice to laugh. Thank you. <laughs> I heard another joke. What was it? But I can't, I, I can't tell a joke and I can't remember it. So I, I'll, you know, I'll fumblingly try. Let's see. So a guy walks in. Wait, is I. Um, is also walking into a bar joke. Um, it's probably old as hell. So this uh, sociopath and uh, sociopath criminal. Uh, uh, what else? Uh, rapist. Just about to get, uh, walk into a bar, and the bartender says, "What do you want, Mr. Trump?" See, I didn't tell it right. But, you know, if you tell it right, you have three different kind of categories. And uh, it sounds like three people. And all right, never mind. If you end up explaining jokes, it didn't work. Okay. Anybody who thinks for a minute that Trump didn't call those dead soldiers from World War One losers and suckers, My God, he even said to his chief of staff, John Kelly, 
a general whose own son died in war. He even said to Kelly, I believe at in the cemetery, I just don't get what's in it for them. <laughs> so anyone who thinks for a second that that is not how he really thinks, you imagine having a commander-in-chief, because that is the biggest role of a president the commander-in-chief of the world's largest military, and he thinks they're suckers. He thinks they're suckers. Anyone in the military voting for him should have their heads. I mean, I, I can't even begin to imagine. But with... Uh, with uh, excuse me, with uh, Woodward's book uh, coming out. Um, we learn of uh, a meeting that Trump had with his trade advisor, the, oh, the repulsive Peter Navarro. And um, he says to Navarro, you'll excuse my French, but I'm quoting the president. My fucking generals are a bunch of pussies. Imagine that. Okay? He's tougher than the generals. Yeah. He with the bone spurs. Yeah. He's tougher than these guys who have fought in wars. Right. My fucking generals are a bunch of pussies. They care more about their alliances than they do about trade deals. Why should generals care about trade deals? They damn well should care about alliances. We wouldn't have won World War II without an alliance or two. <clears throat> Jeez. And uh, Woodward quotes, you know, you wonder what was going on in that White House when the remember when he first took office, he had generals all around him because it made him feel like a big shot. Um, and they're all gone, right? They're gone, man. They didn't last long. So, one of his first generals, the former Defense Secretary General Jim Mattis. Remember how he loved his nickname, Mad Dog. Jim Mattis uh, is quoted in Woodward's book as telling another uh, <laughs> former Trump official, uh, one of the many former directors of national intelligence, Do you, if you remember back this far, he had been a congressman, Dan Coats. So here you have the then defense secretary talking to the then, uh, excuse me, I'm getting all mixed, the national, uh, national intelligence director. And Mattis is saying that Trump is dangerous. He's telling him he's dangerous. He's unfit. And Coates the former director of national intelligence doesn't disagree. And he 
comes back with, I really do think that Russia has something on him. And this part of the book is how these guys, this would be in the first year of Trump's administration, 1917, excuse me, 2017, that they were actively communicating with each other about how to deal with this guy and how to keep him from doing something that would destroy everything. And Mattis told Coates, and this is in 2019, quote, maybe at some point we're going to have to stand up and speak out. There may be a time, he goes on, when we have to take collective action. Can you imagine? So never before in our country's history have we seen the generals or the people at the top of any administration actively talking about warning the country about the president. Two other quotes that caught my eye. Uh, apparently Trump showed Woodward. I'm, I'm, I'm frankly stunned that Trump would have allowed Woodward to record this, these, these interviews stunned. So how does he deny any of it? It's on tape now. And he also showed him some of the letters that Kim Jong-un had written him. And they're just filled with all these, you know, Kim Jong-un, understandably, it knows what every other head of state knows, is that to get Trump to do what you want him to do, you praise him. You just tell him he's the greatest, the best, blah, blah, blah. And so this is what Kim Jong-un's letters are full of and talking about what a wonderful relationship they have, how much they have in common. And Kim Jong-un actually says that their relationship is like quote, a fantasy film. And so Trump trying to explain to Woodward how this happened, that these two men just took this immediate, you know, really liking to each other. He says this, you know, you meet a woman in one second, you know, whether or not it's going to happen. It doesn't take you 10 minutes. It doesn't take you six weeks. It's like, whoa, okay, you know? It takes somewhat less than a second. This is your president. And there's a hysterical line where Kushner complains, Jared Kushner, that a lot of the people that have left the White House he dismisses them as, quote, overconfident idiots. Ha! Takes one to know one, Jared. Jeez. God. (laughs) 
Unbelievable. Okay. So... Okay. A um, lot of folks are asking and people are blowing back at uh, Woodward for if he knew that the president uh, really knew the threat of COVID and was just <clears throat> intentionally playing it down. Um so I mean I I don't think I need to repeat all these quotes, do I? That you know, as early as February, early February, before any of us were really tuned in, we knew that there was something happening in China. But February seventh interview, uh, Trump is telling Woodward, "This is deadly stuff. It's more deadly than the flu." Okay, and then we know that he did nothing but tell us the opposite. And, um, you know, he's saying, it's like the flu. We have flu shots for it. We all know this, right? So um, there's Woodward with um, literally this stuff on tape. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, even in March, uh, where Trump then tells him, I want to play it down. I still like playing it down. I don't want to create a panic. This is deadly stuff. Okay. Why wouldn't a journalist of the caliber of Woodward have broken that story then? Yes, I know, it's for his book. And we've talked earlier about reporters holding on to what is news because it's going to be part of a book. <laughs> you don't want to give your old book away. So um, it's a really interesting question. And um, even Trump is using it now in his own defense. He's saying, hey, Bob Woodward had my quotes for many months. If he thought they were so bad or dangerous, why didn't he immediately report them in an effort to save lives? Didn't he have an obligation to do so? Um, and then Trump gives him slack because Trump says no, because he knew they were good and proper answers. Calm, no panic. No, I, that's not why Woodward held on. To him. Um, this opens up such a huge, so many questions. When This one's hurt my head trying to think about it. Because... Think of all the people who knew. That Trump knew and was playing, it was lying and playing dumb on camera for us, but that he knew he was briefed February, early February. He knew, he knew, he knew, he knew. And he did nothing. 
except do things that undercut the urgency. Um, I'll tell you who knew. Fauci, right? Fauci knew. Stop and think. Here's what I can't. Remember, they had to have known, even then, that masks, it's airborne, that masks was what needed to happen immediately. They needed to tell all Americans we got to have masks immediately. Now, they did the opposite. Fauci did. Redfield did, or whatever his name is, the Surgeon General did. They all said, stop with the masks. They even said it was detrimental or something. Well, you take them off, and then it gives you a false, uh, you know, whatever. They peppered us, including people who knew better, because they saw the more important thing was that there weren't any masks around, and the masks that were around had to go to the medical workers, to the people who were going to have to be right there with the virus. But they didn't, why didn't they think they could tell us that? Why are we not capable of taking in information, and if it creates a panic, well, geez, uh, we need masks, then if you have a leadership, if, if, if there's leadership, you start making masks in every neighborhood. You, every mayor starts organizing by neighborhoods. We put so many masks out, and they're all free, and we get masked up the public in a week, with an army of Americans doing it. Where was that leadership? I'm not so wild about pointing fingers at, oh, this mess wouldn't have happened if Woodward had spilled the beans, because you know damn well if Woodward had spilled the beans, it wouldn't have changed a thing. Just like nothing does. As a matter of fact, we're put, now that the beans are spilled, Republicans, senators, congressmen, all the enablers are saying, Trump, uh, you know, he did the right thing. A president does not want to uh, cause panic in a situation. Why? It's what FDR did during, you know, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Again, so unbelievably disingenuous for Republicans to talk about he was trying to keep people from being afraid when all they do is so fear. That's their entire that's their entire game plan for re-election. Now, technically, Woodward is not a reporter anymore. I think he thinks of himself more as a first uh, a a first draft historian. Which has been said to be what the newspaper, what journalists do. Um, but somewhere in the journalistic world, uh, there's got to be 
um, there's got to be a very sober discussion about are you writing for the paper or for the TV or for whatever you're doing, the guys who are paying you, or are you writing for some friggin' book? And if you've got something, you give it to your employer. You don't hold it. That's something that journalism has got to figure out in a time when any ethical concerns are pretty much not dealt with at all. So I I just, you know what? I don't know. Fauci knew, and he never, you know, I remember thinking, why doesn't he stand up and say the press, you know, why, and what's her name, Burks, and all of them, they stood there behind him and let him spew this crap. And I know the answer is, well, he'd just fire them and then replace them with, uh, you know, a yes man. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, um, oh, I'm sorry. I had another caller. Do I have a caller? Let's go to the phones. I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. Hello? They hung up. Not there anymore. I don't blame you. I was on full rant. Um, oh, guys. I don't know. What do I have here? Barbara sends me something where... A doctor went to his own employer for a COVID test, antibody test. It cost him $10,984. Yeah, well, there you go. This was in Austin, Texas. There's American health care for you guys. Okay, we do have a caller back. Hello, caller. Go ahead, please. Hello. Hi. Hey, you had two questions. Um What's wrong with the Hispanic vote in Florida? And What's wrong with what? I'm sorry? The Hispanic vote in Florida. Oh, yeah. And what's wrong with, or not what's wrong, but do they, on this six and a half million infected, is that what they said, right? Am I correct on that? I'm not sure. Oh, I'm sorry. The num- I can't keep track of the numbers. Yeah, maybe. Million, I don't know. Oh, um, do they, after they're infected, do they trace these people to see how their health is? Because I think that would be a benefit, but probably don't. Well, they are, as we know. As we know, there are a lot of people who seemingly never quite recover. Um, And there is sometimes lasting damage of uh, to, uh, you know, we're so much in the present with this that I don't think uh, we're dealing with that aspect after maybe we get it under some control, then you're going to see the real, the real damage. I guess um, it is scary. The people who who never who've had it for like months and months and just can't shake it. They you know they're they're just not themselves. They can't get back to a semblance of good health. Um, 
As for that, uh, you saw uh, a, the numbers uh, down in uh, in Florida. I thought it was at all of Florida. Or was it was just Miami. Um, no, it probably is. It's whatever. It's Cubans mostly, right? Oh, okay. And they are as firmly in that, uh, you know, they're anti-commies and they buy into the, yeah. Um, but the Hispanic vote is um, surprisingly um, not as strong as you would think for the Democrats. And I think part of that is Catholicism. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, part of it is uh, just sort of uh, cultural kinds of stuff. Um, if the Republicans had a brain that was bigger than their uh, than their loathing for different people, they would uh, long ago have courted uh, Spanish immigrants of all kinds, South American, uh, Central American, uh, Cuban, because of their general conservatism, you know, those family-oriented, they they would have been Republicans, but for the racist policies of the Republican Party, which has pulled them away. If Republicans ever understood that and could get, you know, not play their race card ad nauseum to hold on to all their white racist base, you would have a bigger tent with, uh, yeah, their white racist base being told to shut up and uh, all of these uh, brown Catholic hardworking folks coming in and becoming Republicans. But it didn't happen because they screwed up. Exactly. That's okay. my assumption. Okay, so it's not like you to be talking nervously about you still think uh, Trump's going to get knocked out? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Okay. And I, I needed I to hear it. Gonna, I think he's going to resign, like Cohen said, and get pardoned by Pence. That's that's about that is. You said that the other day, and I yeah, yeah, that sounds about the most logical. Yeah, right. He's not logical, but yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, but I, I hear you. Take him a orange jumpsuit, though. So when he gets out, he does go to jail. But I don't. I. That I don't think. You don't would. hold your breath for that. Yeah. Do I, I, not. Presidents have certain is that different tier of justice. So, oh um, yes, yeah. those guys don't get thrown away, thrown no. out the window. Probably. Okay then. Yeah, Thank you. Okay. Biden. Yep. Thank I'm you. Okay. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Um. Barbara is saying, just wondering why haven't why has blue been so quiet? <laughs> I killed him. No, um I uh have arranged <laughs> arranged for um blue to be picked up every morning about quarter to ten and uh taken for uh, a nice long walk. So he goes out the door right before uh, the show starts and then comes back uh, after it. Um, Also, I I, I mentioned a month ago or so, I'm having back issues. I can't walk them right now anyway. So I have to have somebody come. I just can't. I can't. So that's what he's, he's, he's been farmed out at great expense to dog walkers, which is 
fine. I can do it. And that's good. Um, let me go back to the email. I've got lots of interesting information, by the way, on voting, and I wanted to get to it today. Damn it. And it's not much time. Um, I'm going to send this, Amy, I'm going to be sending you something and you post it. Maybe you have already seen it. It comes from Allegheny County and it's, um, and I'm sure you can access it there, uh, alleghenycounty.us slash elections slash frequently asked questions. And it is every question you can imagine asking. And the like the first two up were the ones I had. So um, if you're and I really think you should all look at these and make sure that you're registered. A lot of people. I have a friend who asked a group of people she was with, are you registered? And they all said yes. And then she told them about a site. Well, go here and find out. Two of them weren't. You think you are. And then my question were like, I can't remember if I applied in the spring for my mail-in or absentee ballot. How do I I find out? They tell you. Or I've changed my mind and no longer want to vote by mail. I want to vote in person. How can I cancel my – they tell you. Um, All the questions that you could possibly want – uh, when will I get my ballot? What is the last date I can mail my ballot? Can I drop off my friend's ballot? Can I drop off my voted ballot at my polling place? I check the status of my ballot. It says it's pending. What do I do? Can I pick my mail? Blah, 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 blah. blah. And then there's all these questions on drop boxes, poll workers, election day, general questions, and all of these just go to Allegheny County, and we'll post this as well. Allegheny County, um, what did I say? Dot U.S. and then slash elections, and you'll find frequently asked questions. Okay, um, you will find it because we've all got to stop talking and make sure <laughs> that we are set to vote and have our votes counted. By the way, I had said, I think I'm going to vote in person. Then somebody from my ward sent out some information yesterday that said that, frankly, they don't want you voting. The Democratic Party says, don't do it. Don't vote in person because they're just not set up. They're, they're, they've been setting up for all this mail stuff. Now they're, But I don't know. I think do what you have to do. But if you're doing the mail stuff, do it as soon as you possibly can. You can't do it right now yet, but as soon as you can. There was something holding up the ballots because the Democrats were trying to keep the Green Party out off the ballot or something. I don't know. I, I don't I'm not sure again that I'm, and, and I think uh, they lost that as they should have, but clearly what they were trying to do is keep third parties from doing what they did last time uh, and giving us Donald Trump. Uh, but please go to that site if you can. 
And um, I'm hoping the county will just, uh, you know, give this out to everybody. Uh, what else I got? Um, let me try to get to all your emails. There's so much stuff I have here. Oh, in I had mentioned Wendy Bell's, put, you know, having a Facebook group now that's, that is called Help Wendy Help Wendy Bell Go National. Now I don't do Facebook and I don't know how you do groups, but if any of you do, uh you could go there and see how well she's doing. Um David sent me information a day or two ago and at the time he sent it there were already twenty one thousand members of that new group, Help Wendy Bell Go National. I wouldn't be surprised if she was behind the group. But then again, she has some very fervent. If anyone can get me a uh, a current number uh, now, go for it. Uh, I've got two emails here I need to get in. Roger. Uh, Oh, I don't know, Roger. This looks too long. What? Oh, I'm leaving today for a vacation at a nice quiet spot in Provincetown, Maine. My daughter-in-law is from Canada, and we've become good friends with her family. I think we should sneak across the border. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting. I saw a picture of this wonderful house uh, for some you know, like two hundred thousand to a little over two hundred thousand dollars, but it had like five bedrooms and was right on the Canadian border, I think in Maine. And I was thinking, geez, maybe my siblings and I should snatch that baby up, and then if all hell breaks loose, we can just become refugees quickly, having the same anyway, he says. Um, he he's quoting a uh, this is from a book of fiction by James Lee Burke. Quote: Churches that fill me with fear are the ones whose severity of their views, the ferocity of their passion, the absolutism that characterized their thinking were such that they seemed to have one foot in the next world, and were heedless of this one. Given the opportunity, they would destroy the earth rather than let it be governed by a creed other than their own. Well, I felt that way on occasion. So let's go to a man of the cloth. This is Father Joseph. Um, He writes, I wonder if Biden wishes he had selected Duckworth based on the recent revelations regarding Trump's view of the military. Eh, Of course, hindsight is 20-20. Well, I think there would have, I just think the black community would have felt very angry about that. But what do I know? Trump might try to rebuild his image with a visit to the Pentagon tomorrow because it's 9-11. As a military vet who was working at the Pentagon and was there during the attack. Oh, my God. I'd like to share some memories. Okay, here's his memories. One, Wonder Woman. 
some celebrities made cameo appearances. They'd show up, perhaps say a few things, shake hands and leave. There was one exception. The star of the old Wonder Woman TV show, Linda Carter, for the entire month or so, those families or so those families were sitting through those briefings that Linda was there. She cried with them, laughed with them, and ran little errands for them. No makeup, no fanfare, just service. I'll never forget that. I had heard about that, about her. Number two, special master. I'll not forget my return to the hotel that housed the Pentagon Family Assistance Center in Crystal City, across from the Pentagon. The families were reassembled there in mid-December to meet with Kenneth Feinberg, the special master for compensation due to the terrorist attacks. He met with the families in the same ballroom where they received those heartbreaking briefings those days and weeks immediately after the attack. His purpose was to explain how family members would be compensated for the loss of their loved ones. The way I understood it, the U.S. government offered a deal. If family members agreed to accept compensation, then they included an agreement that they wouldn't sue the airlines. It was a messy business that evening in the ballroom. That's because Mr. Feinberg had the, oh yeah, unenviable task of explaining the compensation process. It was based on the lost income of the person who died. So that meant that a family of executive level civil servants would get more money than the family of a custodian who died in the same building. See, even after you die, you have, <laughs> Jesus. Mind you, this was all being presented right before Christmas. My task was to provide comfort to the families during the season, session. Uh, Father Joseph, if you recall, is a chaplain. Uh, there was a Navy... Wait, 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 terrible thing. Uh, I'm sorry, I lost my place. The thing that meant the most to me during that terrible evening came at the break. There was a Navy widow who looked as though she was due any moment with a child who would never know its father. I still recall her name, Stephanie Dunn. Stephanie came over to me during the break. I prepared to offer her words of comfort, but to be honest, was praying for the right words. Before I could say a thing, Stephanie gave me the brightest, warmest smile I'd seen in weeks and said, Chaplain, I just wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas. Okay, he's got two more. Number three, Arlington National Cemetery. That same December, I participated in a working group with Department of Defense personnel and Pentagon victim family members. The task was to discuss the design for the Pentagon 9-11 Memorial on the grounds of the Pentagon and the site for a memorial stone at Arlington. This work included actually going with the families to both proposed locations. I recall standing with a man at Arlington looking over the highway at the Pentagon as the group walked uh, to the discussed possible locations with the superintendent of the cemetery. As the group became immersed in discussion, I noticed this fellow off to the side who was not engaged in the discussion. I walked up and stood alongside him. 
He was quiet, but I think he appreciated the company. Then he sighed and said, excuse me, there's something I need to do. He walked over to a row of newly buried bodies and spent some time at the fresh grave of his wife. And number four, these are memories from Father Joseph who was there when the Pentagon was attacked on 9-11. Here's another tough one. If I recall correctly, it was an army unit flown to Fort Myer from their home in Puerto Rico. They specialized in mortuary issues. They were working what appeared to be a converted horse stable on Fort Myer, just up the hill from Arlington and across the highway from the Pentagon. It was cold that, in that building, and I felt for those troops who had just come from someplace much warmer. Their job, <clears throat> excuse me, was to open the bags returned to them from the mortuary facility at Dover. These bags contained the personal items. Pentagon victims either were wearing or had on their person when they died. Oh, the, the, yes, personal items they had when they died. There were pictures of loved ones, a crushed wristwatch that had stopped at the time of the attack, and clothing. Some items really wouldn't be returned due to biohazard reasons. It was tough duty, and one certainly didn't want to re-traumatize family members. Everything was done with the utmost care. Thank you for that. Um, I, we're going way over. I'm willing. Um, we have the caller still there, Amy. Uh, Let me, let me try. Hello, caller. Yes. Good morning. Hi. Yes. Good morning, Lynn. Hi. Hey, good morning, Lynn. Hey, Lynn. Um, that was beautiful what you explained and it it dovetails on what I wanted to explain to you today. Okay. Um, I've been meditating for the last 45 days Mm -hmm. and here's one of the things about, about an hour a day. I'm trying, that's my goal. And the thing that I've learned, the thing, one thing I've learned, and I'll let you go here, but we have, we have three eyes, two eyes that we see out of, and then there's a thing called the pineal gland that's in the center of your mind, the true, that sees the true spirit amongst us. We use the two eyes to get along in life, to see things, how, they, how we perceive them to be. You have to use the two eyes. But the person who meditates, and you mentioned the person who is speaking about the, the dead people, when they have a spiritual person, that person had tuned in to the third eye and see that within all this, what seems to be terrible and negative is pure beauty, is pure perfection, because we're, we're truly spirit. So all, mm-hmm. these thing, all these things we're seeing with the two eyes make it seem like everything's bad. But if you calm the mind totally down, which most people don't want to take the time to do, and simmer the mind down to calm it, to like clear, calm water, that third eye will become starting to open up a little bit. And then you'll see the beauty that's within all of us, not the, the quote-unquote sins or the dis- dysfunctions we have. That You're seeing that with the two eyes. Dissolve that. And you'll see purity, and that's what you were. That's what you. That's what you had felt, and that's what I had felt when you explained the story about the people who had passed away. And that the, that was a spiritual. That hit me right. That hit me in the spirit. It didn't hit mm-hmm. me in the bones. You know, Sam. Does that make sense? 
Mm-hmm. So it's all, it's important for all of us. Just try to see, see the beauty within all of us. Okay. Even though, even, even the president, <laughs> he, and he will be done soon too. And, you know, things will, you know, things are going to get better. And okay. additionally, you got one more thing and I'll leave you with this. We got a female vice president on the cusp of being a president of the United States. To me, remarkable. Okay, so we're on a precipice, Lynn. Okay. To see the see the beauty within everybody. Thank you. And that's all I have Thank to say. You. Thanks, Lynn. All right. I'll talk Thank to you. you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Is there another caller there? Hello. Oh, hi, Lynn. Hi. hi. You know, hi. I am so frustrated. I just want to say, what happened to the morals of people? To hold back on information that you know, um, like Woodruff and the people that were saying about how Donald Trump talked about the military Mm -hmm. and not speak up at that time, what has come over people to come out at a time that you would profit from it? Or if you know what is right and wrong and you won't even put your name to it, I'm under the was always raised that if I have to stand alone on something that I believe in, I'm going to do it. May the chips fall wherever. But yeah. I get the feeling that I've done the right thing. And how can we advance if we all just sit back and say and do nothing about what we know is wrong? I, I don't get it. It's frustrating. It's just, what have we all come to? What, what, where do we go from here? And to say, even to say, okay, we're going to vote. We're going to vote. Vote, and we still have the same mindset that, you know, I'm doing okay. It's okay for me. I'm making it. I'm not going to worry about the next person. You worry about yourself. It's just, well, I'm, I, you I know don't what? know what I'm, to say anymore. I know. It, you know, I'm afraid that... Um, America's uh, this sort of unique idea of our individual liberty um, has gotten um, over hundreds of years uh, uh, distorted and skewed and made us more selfish, made us, a lot of us, unable to see the importance of the bigger community, the whole, you know, that we're just one part of something so much bigger. There are so many people who only see, th- see through their own, um, their own needs, their own desires, and, uh, you know, they're number one. That's, that's it. And they misconstrue the idea of individual liberty and freedom. And then there's unfortunately the impact of, of our economic system of capitalism, which is also not socially, uh, it doesn't talk about the group. It talks about you, you know, getting ahead. And uh, the whole system is about, you know, knocking off other smaller fish, eating up the smaller fish, getting to the top. Um, it's, it's based on human nature's worst qualities of greed and selfishness. And I think if you just take, and then the culture, our entertainment culture, 
um, has also uh, put forward the worst. Think of the most popular TV shows, these reality shows, in fact. They're, they make everything into a no-holds-barred competition. Who's the best? Only one person wins. And, you know, there are cultures that would look at our culture and see such ugliness, such wrongheadedness, such a lack of understanding for we're all in this together. Um, I don't know. The question you ask is so big. And I do think that our culture has been driving us individually into a worse and worse place. And Donald Trump has really, with his bully pulpit and all the attention he's gotten, has really speeded that up. Um, I don't know. Well, where do these people go after Donald Trump leaves office? Well, they're not going anywhere. You have to look at your children. Um, No, they're not going anywhere. They'll feel that they were right. I don't see them changing. I see a, you know, someone else is going to rise up. I'm sure there's jockeying going on right now of who's going to lead this huge group of Americans because they'll still be there. And they don't seem inclined. Yeah. (laughs) We're in a bad place. And we have to get out and vote. Yeah. Hopefully we can change this around. I right. listen to you every day because I think you're the only voice out there now that you can go to with some type of reason and make you think, you know, I can do something. I, I've got to play some role in this some kind of way. But yeah. it's just it's just depressing. This whole situation is just so depressing right now. I I don't know I what know. else to say. Well, I know. Listen, my heart goes out to you because, uh, well, I know exactly where you are <laughs> and you're not alone. As you know, you're not alone because a whole millions of Americans who feel like you are are going to vote. So mm-hmm. hang hang in. Then, then the real work will begin. Okay. Thanks so much for taking Thank the Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate uh-huh. it. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, man. Um, So little Tony has tried that website out, that uh, Allegheny County um, dot U.S. slash elections. And he says the website answered questions about pending status that I've been wondering about. It means I've been approved at the ballot and I've been, thanks for the website. Here's a, that's good. Yeah. I think it's going to help a lot of us. So please I'll, I'll, Amy, if you don't have it, I'll, I'll send it to you what I have. Um, and that's good. Uh, and I'm just waiting. We've gone so far over, but I do not see the, the COVID numbers. So I guess I'll bid you a fond adieu. And um, and that's that. It's been a short week for us. But um, I'll, I'll be back on Monday. And um, <laughs> hang on. That's all I can say to you. We have no choice. We have no choice. But uh, hang in there. Hang on and try to move it forward. Just keep pushing forward. 
and be safe, be smart, be kind. I care about you. I do. Whether I've met you or not, I do care, and I thank you for spending this time uh, with me. Okay? Have a good weekend. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.